The Tiki Bar opens at Bright House Field Sunday as the University of Tampa comes to play the Philadelphia Phillies in what will be a college-level game on both sides as we walk into a very disastrous Philly season. This is Bill Zeltman with Steve for My Two Cents. Live from the middle, the heart of the Grapefruit League, we're going to bring you coverage, good, bad, and different. We love our Phillies, win, lose, or draw, and this year it's going to be lose. Uh, my, my, you know, we look at this team on the roster, and there's some intriguing things there. There's some things that you just shake your head and say, how is this possible? And there's everything in between. But we're going to cover it. We're going to talk about it. What's good, what's bad, what's ugly. And what do our Phillies need to do this spring, this season, and in the next offseason to get themselves back on track? And, you know, in my opinion, we're going to go to Steve in a second here, but in my opinion, the biggest problem that the Phillies have is they just don't have the talent in their minor league system without one guy to build around. You know, as any team that builds that has a nucleus, they have to have those one, two, three core players that are in their farm system. Them, you know, to, to put this together. And I'm not sure the Phillies have that. I don't know that Mikhail Franco's that guy. Uh, you know, at some point people thought Jesse Biddle could be that guy. I, I really am doubtful on him now. Um, you know, I certainly like J.P. Crawford, uh, who's been ranked between 15 and 20 in the top prospects in baseball. But he's never played a day over, uh, you know, high A ball. So, uh, you know, it's it, it's head-scratching time if you're a Phillies fan of, of how uh, Ruben Amaro and his brain trust rebuilds this team. Steve, how are you? I'm doing good, Bill, and, you know, we're starting our uh, little uh, spring training joint in uh, Cape Coral, where our studio is in Florida, and uh, so I'm excited that uh, we're finally getting around to another year of this. Well, no, let me rephrase that. I'm excited you guys are here. I'm excited we're going to Clearwater. I'm not excited about the Phillies. Um, I think we've made that perfectly perfectly clear in the past. Um, this is going to be, you know, I don't even know what kind of year it's going to be. I don't even want to say it's going to be a crappy year or whatever, but it's not, it's going to be unquestionably one of the worst seasons I'm sure that we're going to see. Um, we'll talk about predictions later, uh, but I think right now... It's predictions a, and propaganda. Propaganda, yeah, yeah. But, you know, we got a real uh, socialist that's running this team right now. <laughs> Because I'm sure you know this guy has uh, some huge, uh, well, not an agenda because socialists don't have an agenda. They just it's you know whatever they think is you know one big one big spoof, and that's exactly what he is. He's a spoof. Um, uh, hopefully, I wish he was a figment of my imagination, but that's obviously not going to be there because you poke him and he screams. Um, I just don't know where, as you, I really have no predictions as to how they're going to do anything, where they're going to come from, who's there to step up. You know, now they're finally admitting it through Pat Gillick um, that they really have a very poor um, 
you know, minor league system. I mean, there's nothing there. And if you're looking at those couple of names that Bill just mentioned, if that's the best they have to bring up, um, we're really in bad shape. These kids are good, but they're totally unproven. And, you know, again, it's back to the Phillies. They, they set themselves up for it through Ruben Amaro. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't know where we're going to go. I, I have absolutely no idea. I'd have a better idea of, you know, following the Mets or the Dodgers or the Diamondbacks and probably give you a good idea as to what they're going to do than what the Phillies are going to wind up with. Yeah, you know, I and I look and I see aging veterans uh, that you really can't trade. Of course, the, the latest story, it was the K-Rod signing with the Brewers. And uh, so the Papelbon talks with the Brewers are, are, are gone. Um, I've always been of the belief that bullpen help is one of those things that teams are always looking for on the trade deadline, which mm-hmm. kind of makes me still curious. Uh, you know, Detroit, what was that, two years ago, had they taken him at that point? Um, I think they win the World Series, at least get to the World Series. And that, that year that they their bullpen cost them, and you'd have thought that they or another team would have learned from it and, and just said, you know, Papelbon with all the baggage and all the money, you know, let, let's take it and give up a prospect or two. But the problem, I think, is that Amaro wants, has wanted too much for these guys oh, yeah. after getting fleeced before. Yeah. Um, I think he got nothing back for Jimmy Rollins. I think he did better in the Marlon Bird deal than he did in the Jimmy Rollins deal, mm-hmm. which is absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's another one. We'll track. We're going to stay on top of the, the, the prospects that we got for Jimmy Rollins and follow what they do. And for anybody that's out there, and there, you know, there's two camps on this. There's the one camp of that was like raising the white flag and we're just done. Um, and, you know, we have to get rid of these guys to steal somewhere else. There's the other camp that says, oh, you had to get him out of here because, you know, he didn't want to, you know, he wasn't playing hard and all these other things. And, and, I, and I understand all that. And we've got some hecklers here in our uh, booth here. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, the uh, gotta love Florida. So anyway, the um, but you, you look at what the Phillies have done, um, you know, with, with trading Rollins, and, and was that the right thing? Or in my opinion, I would have held on to Jimmy Rollins and tried to trade somebody else. Um, I would have rather seen Utley go than Rollins. And now I'm going to really hear people scream. But the point is, with Rollins, is I knew I had a middle up the middle guy that's going to go play 145, 150 games with Utley. And now we got the whole thing with the foot again. You know, do we not see Utley mm-hmm. until the All Star break? Is it really his foot and not his knee? You know what? are all the things we don't know but here's what i do know i do know that that you know the phillies a team that for the last 15 years have been very very strong up the middle mm-hmm. are now very very weak up the middle um i mean you, you, you know they say up the middle is your catcher your second baseman your shortstop mm-hmm. and your center fielder i you know carlos ruiz how much does he have in the tank? Steve and I were talking before the show that Amaro was talking about trying to find a catcher that could catch up to 70 games. Well, that doesn't give me a lot of faith in how many times that that, that uh, Ruiz is going to be able to run out there. And of course, at what 36, 35, 36, 37? Yeah. Uh, how how you know how many games can he play? And then you go and you look at the other side and and, and look at center field, which is the fourth cornerstone at the middle. I like Ben Revere. Uh, I like what you get from Ben Revere. He's not a base guy because he needs to walk more, and, and hopefully he's worked on that in the offseason. But really, he's your one of those four positions that you can say, okay, I can pencil him in for 145, 150 games, maybe more, uh, you know, pending him getting hurt. Uh, up the middle, this team is now very weak. 
Um, if you look, you can put, you're going to put Cesar Hernandez out there. For my, my money, Cesar Hernandez becomes the starting second baseman of this team. Um, Freddie Galvis, you're going to throw him out there. He's not going to hit his weight. I, I have a feeling this is a guy that at best is a 220 hitter. Um, doesn't see a lot of pitches. Uh, won't draw walks. So not only will he not hit for average, but he also won't, you know, do the other things he needs to do. Um, and quite frankly, he'll get a big hit here and there. He's a guy that can hit a triple and, or a double and, and, and do some damage. But it's too little, uh, you know, too little, too few to, to really make that go. So, um, yeah, Steve, I, I, I don't know what the thought process is. And, and again, where I was starting to go with this is that this, so you got your Ryan... Howard, your Papel Bonds, you know, your Cliff Lees that you're paying a fortune mm-hmm. of money to. Um, you have nothing around them. And I don't know that they're the guys. I'm going to take Cliff Lee out of that. But I don't think that Papelbon and Howard are even the guys on the bench. You know, does Ryan Howard take up a Kyle Franco under his wing and teach him how to be a slugger? I don't think that he's that guy. Does Jonathan Papelbon? On, um, you know, take some of your bullpen guys and, and, and really draw them in. You know, you think back, the, the leader in that bullpen was Ryan Madsen for a lot of years mm-hmm. and Brad Lidge before right. him. And um, that's gone. That leadership seems yeah. to be gone. And although that bullpen came together and they, they work better as a unit, you're not getting that from your, your closer. You're paying $15 million. Well, you know, you, you talk about how up the middle and it's pretty weak and it's going to. I think it's going to be a lot weaker than we actually realize. Um, Brian Howard, you know, everybody should know by now that he had a lot of personal issues with his family and his finances. And, you know, he had, which nobody was aware of, so not an excuse, but it could be a certain answer as to why he really uh, failed so well in the last almost two years. Um, But then there's, you know, the story out there, well, let's hope that we think maybe this year will be a good kind of year. Physically, he's not there anymore. He just doesn't have the ability. I don't care. He'd have all the medals in the world, and, you know, he he could have the best things going for him in that way. But physically, he's still not there and probably will never be there again. So you can't take that as, oh, my God, maybe the rebirth of Ryan Howard, okay? He's not a leader in that regard where I really don't think he could take on a Mikhail Franco and say, you know what, come on, boy, I'm going to show you how. How to do it the right way and things like that. I just don't see it in him. I really don't think he has the ability. Um, so, what do you do with him? It's just kind of like he's a non-entity now. You're stuck with him. Nobody's paying that money. You know, unless somebody's extremely desperate for if he shows a nice bat, somebody might trade for him. But then it gets going to be a lot of money, and they're going to have to come some of that. So, you know, what do you, what do, you do with him? Papelbon, he's just, he, he's a, oh my God, he, he shouldn't he shouldn't even play in baseball as far as I'm concerned. I mean, he can throw a ball, but all his other, you know, he's, he's such a non-factor in regards to whether you win or lose a game. And he's such a freak mentally. I don't know if you can really depend on him to come back and give you anything. He's definitely not a leader in that in the ball. No. Because he's so self-centered. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So, you, you, you know, what do you got with him? You got Kenny Giles, who, I mean, I love that kid. I love him to death. He's going to give you a tremendous amount of energy and a good arm. And, you know, now all that does is hold him back. Well, my bet is they trade Kenny Giles. And here's, here's, why, here's why I believe that. Uh, I remember years ago, I remember the Phillies had a pitcher named Mike Jackson and in the late 80s. Okay. And he was he was a premier closing mm-hmm. closer. He just came out of nowhere. The Phillies raised him up. He ended up going to Seattle where he, where he blossomed. Um, 
And I remember saying, why would you trade the only good player you have? And saying, I was a kid. And somebody said to me, because you don't need a guy that can save 40 games for a team that's only going to win 70. Right. And and the truth is, is that I have a bad feeling that that, that that's where you're going with this. And you're talking about Ryan Howard. And this is, we, we alluded to propaganda before the show. And, of course, Ryan Sandberg. Sandberg encouraged by Howard Durley. Oh, yeah. And, you, you know, you're hearing this. And then the other one, Sandberg impressed with Frank Coors intangibles is the other headline here. And this is what, and you, I, you always forget this about Ryan Sandberg. At least, you know, you think everybody thinks of Sandberg as a Cub. And, of course, as a player, he was a Cub. But he's a Hall of Famer for the Cubs. He played like the, all of, like, 20-some at-bats or whatever for the Phillies. But he was raised through that Phillies farm system of BS, BS, BS. Yeah. And right. I just remember going back in the 80s and listening to uh, uh, John Felsky and mm-hmm. uh, Nick Leva and they're talking about, oh, mm-hmm. this kid has impressive this, that, and whatever. And, you know, they're talking about Luis Aguayo and Steve mm-hmm. Jeltz. Right. And it's like, dude, remember that. don't put a Datsun on the lot and tell me that it's a brand new car because yeah. you put wax on it. Yeah. That's what you got here. Ryan Howard, uh, you know, yeah, does he want to build Howard's confidence and all that? Yeah. You know what? Ryan Howard's a 35 year old veteran. Now he doesn't need Ryan Sandberg to build. He, he needs to get his head straight, and like you said, can he physically even still bring it? Who cares where his head is? Yeah, we don't know. Can he physically still bring it? Um, but you're hearing the crap now out of that farm system that you haven't heard in 20 and 30 years, and it was the crap that left them as a bad franchise for a long time. And my only hope is the fact that Pat Gillick is still sitting there. Mm-hmm. If he gets a little bit more and more and more involved in this. And, you know, I'm watching the other day. What was the video I was watching? And somebody was standing there with Ed Wade. Oh, Darren Dalton. Oh, please. Darren Dalton. Because, and thank God. For, you bring uh, that name up? Dar- Darren Dalton is uh, cancer-free. Cancer free, and I saw all that. But I'm watching the video. And, and he's standing there around the, 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 uh, the batter's box. And who's standing there? And it's Ed Wade. Uh, the only thing I'm going to say about Ed Wade and everybody that, you know, I, I, I know. And I, I trust me, I, I was mad the day he came back in this organization. But. He was the one that was at least smart enough to hire a Mike Arbuckle. He was the one that went in and fired half of that half of that uh, scouting department mm-hmm. back in the back in the nineties, and said it was the nineties or two. Yeah, it was late nineties. Mm-hmm. And said we need to we need to re- we need to start from scratch and 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 redo right. this. And if some of that with Pat Gillick's expertise, if those two guys can rub off, you know, I, I remember when. After Manuel had the two bad starts as manager, the two years where he almost didn't make it and his job was on the line, and they brought in Jimmy Williams and, and Davey Lopes, and uh, they were going to bring in Art Howe, who ended up going to Texas instead. But it was like, yeah, well, you know, and, and I remember uh, some talk radio guys said, oh, they're going to manage by committee. You're going to have like yeah, a right, brain right. thrust to managers. Right. As a, you know, in other words, they, and they had no, you know, it's basically we've, we've lost confidence in you, Charlie. Right. Here's three guys that can take your job at any time, and you're going to listen to them. Right. I'm hoping that that is the same thing actually that happens here with with um Sandberg. with no with uh, with Ruben Amaro. Oh, Ruben. So Amaro has Gillick and, and Wade, and hopefully Gillick knows the stupid things of Wade of like you know right. get you this close but not close enough. Wade can rebuild a farm system. Let him do that. Gillick knows how to make the shrewd deals at the major league level that Wade never did. If they can put those things together, there's a fighting chance, but but you have to have something to build around. Right. And right now, I look at it, and the only thing I can look at to, to build around is is J.P. Crawford, a guy who, again, has only been only played high A ball. Mm-hmm. Well, right. It's scary. Yeah, well, like you said, um, we always go back to direction. What's the goal? Where, you know, what's 
part of me, what is the plan right for this team? And, and again, it's just, it's almost like you're throwing a bunch of beans up in the air and which one's going to hit the ground first is the one we're going to follow. You know, it's just, it's a crapshoot. And hopefully they have some idea. I mean, again, as you say, I'm thrilled that Pat Gillick has some involvement with it. I'm glad that, uh, you know, Middleman is taking majority owner, and I think he's a shrewd businessman who's going to try and bring this back into into some kind of uh, um, normality to where you have that direction. So hopefully the bigger pieces are starting to take effect. But, um, you know, when it comes down to Ruben, how much control does Ruben have? What will he have? Right. You know, that's my concern or input that he's going he's gonna to come out and say, well, no, I think we need to do this and that's where there is to it you know years ago pretty much the general manager was that was it he was the last say and whatever he went took his advisors um but then again who's around tomorrow if that's the position they're going to allow him i have to believe and i i truly think that that as you say i think that there's going to be a uh, situation where he's not going to have he's not going to be the one to say okay this is what we do i think pat gillick's going to be the one that's going to go you have input things like that, but I'm the one who's going to, you're going to do what I tell you to do because Pat's that kind of guy. He's like, I don't have any time for this crap. This is where we're going to go, and right. you don't have a choice. And funny that Ruben is his predecessor because he basically groomed him for that, and everything that he won in his first couple of years was due to Pat Gillick right. setting that whole situation up. So after that, Pat stepped back, and then that's when everything just fell to the ground. So obviously, he's a, he's a poor... Um, He's a poor student, and, uh, and and again, you know, he started, I feel he probably put people around him that were, okay, Ruben, whatever you say, Ruben, yeah, good, Ruben. No, we, do you need a taco today, Ruben? I'll go get it for you. You know, that kind of thing. And that's really where, you know, this team has to get back and refocus, and, and there's the direction through Pat Gillick. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we really have to have, it's a totally different team. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I talk about direction, there was just a couple of articles recently about uh, analytics. And again, Ruben Amaro goes, well, you know, well, he starts back in 2010 talking about uh, analytics, and he was like, he poo-pooed the whole yeah. thing. Yep. And then each year he came back, well, he hired this guy part-time to clean the windows, and then come in <laughs> and then tell him, well, this guy is batting this and batting that part-time, and okay, well, you're done, you can go back cleaning windows again. Yeah. And, you know, that it's you can't fight what the future is, right? Okay, you know, as 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 it is, let's say, for instance, in real estate, you know, the the old traditional real estate model doesn't work anymore. You know, we know that, and so you have to use future, you know, technology, and you got to use computers, and you have to use numbers right. that mean something, not just oh, let's put an ad in the newspaper. Same thing here. You know, you have to use modern technology. You don't have a choice because that has proven itself. You know, they say that uh, the Sixers actually have the number one model for analytics now in basketball. And where the Phillies are last in baseball. Oh, yeah, it's horrible. But the fact is that, you know, everybody's, you know, getting mad at the Sixers because they tanked and all. But you know what? It's it's okay because they, they admitted it in the very beginning. Yeah. And they're going to use analytics to get them 
to their next game, you know, to the future. So Phillies have to do the same thing. You cannot sit there and go, oh, that doesn't mean anything, you know. Oh, oh let me get back in my horse and carriage, and I'm going to ride back down to, down to the, you know, Wawa. You know, no, 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 man. It's not the way it is anymore. Right. And unless you commit yourself to using that, and I don't take anything against scouting, because you do have to have good scouts out there that are going to look at these bodies, mm-hmm. and they're going to give you the names, and then they're going to go, okay, this guy really looks good. Now, what are his numbers? Right. Do we go by that? Because it has to be a part of the decision process. And as soon as you have somebody, River tomorrow, who doesn't believe in it, right? Or he just, uh, well, yeah, I'll think about it. You know, that doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You know, do you use a pencil and paper? Do you use a, a calculator or right. a computer? You know, come on, let's be real about this. And until he finally picks up on that, and or somebody in the organization, and actually has a team of guys, you know, that are three, four guys that are in there constantly breaking down all these different players, what you have now and what your future is going to be. Are they going to be able to move to the next century? Right. And, I, you know, these, these are just proven points. You can't get away from it. I'm not a huge statistics fan in depth, but you can't get away from it today. You just can't. So, so I've actually been working on a model, and um, I'm going to see if this plays out or not. I'm not sure if it will or not. Um, but, you know, they, they added the whole – they've added all these these new uh, factors. you got war, which is wins above right. replacement for a player. You know, you, you look at um, – you know, so, so there's all these things. That look, what, basically what they do is they add extra base hits, right. and they add on-base percentage, percentage, walks and things like that to the equation. And I think that that – you know, that's it all started with the, the Bill James and then the Billy Bean stuff. And, right. Right. And, you know, I, I learned when I, was, when I was a kid and I used to play uh, stratomatic baseball, and, you know, that look, you hear people out there, oh, we talk about that kind of stuff because it has nothing to do with reality. And it doesn't because it's a, it's a statistical, completely statistical uh, strategic game. It has nothing to do with the human element at all. Right. Which Billy Bean does take out of his deal, too. Right. And I think he goes too far with it. I think the, right. I, I like the Phillies look for guys with character and everything like that. But. One of the things that, that I learned from that as a kid, just playing with the statistics of baseball and things like that, and always being fascinated by it, is the other point that, that no one's taking into consideration, and I'm trying to put a formula together to figure this out, Right. And I want to call it the Z-factor. So when you see this on MLB tonight and they call it the Z-factor, you'll know, you'll know where it came from. Yeah, but it adds in uh, the amount of pitches that a batter sees. Yes. Okay. And I actually had this statistic up and I think I, I think I lost it because when I was traveling, I, I, I'll get it again, but I had the players that saw the most pitches. I think my trout was number one or not. I think Mike Trout was number one. Mm-hmm. Look at all the things that Mike Trout does offensively, taking that out of it. But you add that to, to the equation, it makes him even better. But what about a guy that you might look at as, let's say, the 10th, and I'm, I don't have the list in front of me, but you might call this guy the 10th best hitter in baseball mm-hmm. when you look at these other factors. But taking into consideration the number of pitches that this person sees, and I go back through the Phillies history, and you think of Jason Wirth, saw sure. a ton of pitches, okay? You look at uh, Bobby Abreu, mm-hmm. saw a right. ton of pitches. Let's go back a little bit further on this. Right. Oh, Ryan Howard was way up that list, by the way. So really? he sees a lot of pitches, and that's why. I used I, to. No, this was last season. Oh, really? And this is one thing I'll say about Ryan Howard that people take out of context, and I believe always have, where they get crazy about strikeouts. And, and um, strikeouts 
Yeah, are they bad? Yeah, are they rally killers? They can be. But they're not as bad of a thing as you think when a guy sees seven, eight pitches and strikes out. And you say, well, that's horrible. Yeah, maybe even left guys on base. But the point of seeing pitches is to work the other pitcher to wait to get a pitch that you want, which obviously helps your other numbers so you can right. take that out. But the bigger thing it does in today's baseball is it runs a pitch count. Right. If I can get a yes. pitcher to 100 pitches in the fifth inning, yes. I'm going to win that game. Yes. I, have a, I shouldn't say that. I have a very good shot of shot winning of that game because now I'm going to see the number four guy in their bullpen or maybe right. five or six guy in their bullpen right. instead of just seeing the one and two guys if I the number one and two guys in their bullpen. I got a, I got a hard. I think that that factor needs to be considered in with everything else. Let me go back to a, to a team, uh, you know, 20, 22 years ago now. The ninety three Phillies. Mm-hmm. One of the keys to that team, and Lenny Dykstra saw more pitches that's than anybody. That's exactly. What I, I, was I don't say. know either Lenny or Pete Rose who who saw right. the most pitches. And you look at those guys. Especially Pete Rose, Rose, who was a one-dimensional player. Right. I mean, he wasn't a great fielder. He was didn't hit for power at all. Right. Right. But why was he so valuable to the teams he was on? And people say, oh, you know. And I said he should have won more MVP awards. Yeah. In fact, the power killed him. But the fact is, he should. He, he was more valuable than people ever give credit. Even now, looking back, because now he he gets maybe maybe he strikes out to mm-hmm. lead off a game, mm-hmm. but he saw twelve pitches. Yeah. He saw 12 pitches. That pitcher's already like mentally like, oh my God. Am I going to go Even though I got shot. the strikeout yeah. and I got a lift out yeah. of that, it was right. like, you know, th- there's that beating down. Right. Lenny Dykstra, Richie oh, Ashburn. Yeah. I, you know, I was, I was too young. I never saw Whitey, mm-hmm. but I heard Ashburn was the same. We could foul one off, yep. foul one yep. off, foul one yep. off, foul one off. Driving crazy. Drive a pitcher to, you know, insane. To drink. To drink. Yeah. There you go. Insane. Um, that That is completely missing. In Today, what these teams right. look at. And I look at these players that Amaro has brought in over and over and over. And I know I beat this dead horse and it's long done, but I'm going to do it again. The signing of a guy like a Placido Polanco, and no offense to Polanco, a great 300 hitter, right. 330, 320 hitter. Right. But he never, he didn't walk. Right. And he didn't see, he, he saw pitches. Now, he, he wasn't up that up that high list, but he right. saw some, some pitches. But the fact is, is guys that see more pitches, I'd rather have a guy that hits 280 than 320, but can walk 75 to 100 times right. and see more pitches. Because it's a, baseball now is a game of attrition. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm actually, like I said, I'm working on a, on a formula that makes sense where you'll be able to judge a player analytically using all the things with the on-base percentage, doubles, triples, home, you know, having, having factors for it, but also factoring in the number of pitches that this person sees. And I'm interested to see how it plays out. Well, you know what? It's funny that you say that because it is a really important factor. Now, there's two things with that. If you go back to Ruben, who mm-hmm. says he wants for power. That's all he wants for power. Hit that home run. Hit that home run. Whether there's a guy on base or not, that's all he thinks of. Wrong concept. Doesn't matter because today it's completely different, as you say. Second point is to prove your point. I'm glad you mentioned Lenny Dykstra. Mm-hmm. I don't care about his personal. Life. No, it's he not that it. Does. This guy, he was like he was like a junior Pete Rose. Yes, because this guy could drive those. I remember watching him, and he used to say. 
he would tell the guys his first bat, his first time up at back. He'd tell these guys, "Watch this guy, okay? He's going to get that guy to throw every single pitch he yep. has at me." And he would stay in there, and he would do that 10, 12, 13 pitch count. And whether he he might have struck out, he might have finally flied out, but he would say, "Just watch him. I'll get him to throw every pitch." Right. And he would do that every single time. And that's one of the things that made him the most valuable player on that team. I let in the hustle, and he was and a great. Money, he should have been the MVP of '93, not Bonds. Right, and I think that guy really—he knew baseball inside and out, and he knew how to play it. And that's, you know, to me, like you say, that's the epitome. We've we talked about this before: pitch count and watching what that pitcher throws. You know, an excellent uh, example of that is Chase Utley. To this day. You, he will stand on that rail yeah. every time they're up and watch every pitch from every pitcher. I don't care what it, you zoom in on him. He's sitting there and he's watching and he's watching and he's watching. He's looking for every little flaw that that pitcher might have or an indication of the what kind of ball he's going to throw. You know, there's one thing to watching the ball come out of the hand and you in that in that matter of 15. You know, whatever second tenth of a second it is that it comes from the from his hand to your bat, but these guys are learning more ways to be deceptive with throwing it. But there's other motions that these pitchers get into a groove, right? And that's when they start getting hit, and that's what Utley looks for. So you know, when you get guys like that and understand that, you know, that's that's a point of a lot of practice, a lot of film, and just actually dedicating yourself to watching every single pitcher. You know, as a pitcher has a book, most of them do, as so does a batter. Right. They have a book on every pitcher that comes out. And if you learn that, you're going to drive them crazy yeah. because there's just no way in the world that that pitcher – I mean, there's times you're sitting there and you got 10 or 15, you know, they've probably thrown at least eight or nine foul balls. You know, it gets to the point where the pitcher's just going to shit, just throw it and let them get – you know, let me right. walk them just to get rid of them so I can get them on base. There's your other opportunity. Now you got a guy on base. Okay. Yeah. Next guy up, if so it's the second or third guy in the line, okay, you got a good chance that this guy's probably now for he's he's second or third in line for a reason because right. he can hit the ball. Now you might get two guys on base for a guy that's going to pick up a double if he's a good stealer. That's the play of the game. That's how you do this. And and you have to, as you said, you have to get guys that are just tenacious and just stay in there and stay in there and stay in there every day. You know, your fourth, you know, again, your fourth hitter is your Ryan Howard or whomever it might be. That's a real power guy. But unless your first two guys, three guys, maybe that can actually get on base to make that an opportunity. It doesn't make a difference. Right. It really, it really is not going to help you. So, you know, to your point, I totally agree with you. We've talked about this at length before. And I, I just don't, you know, with what they're choosing, it's just a hodgepodge. You know, Jeff Frank Hort. All right, what's he going to give me? You know, you got the other guy that we picked up from last year from the uh, Red Sox. That's oh, Grady Size. Grady Size. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's he's another one. He's, he's just going to be worth player. a bag. He's a utility player. He's going to be worth a bag of beans. You know, yeah. um, his time is done. But you keep filling the line with these guys. You know, they're not committed to training the new guys and and bringing. You know, maybe they're going to bring the best they got. What is that? You know, is, is it a you know is it a one ninety hitter? Is it a two ten hitter? And a guy that just you know, and he's and he's not going to give you that much in the outfield. That's really going to make that much of a difference. So. You know, they went out of their way to sign Grady Sizemore last year. Yeah, okay? yeah. They went out of their way, and I'm sitting here looking at his statistics. So here it is in Philadelphia, 
I'll do both teams, and I'll do it in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, he hit 253 with three home runs and 12 RBIs, and we went out of our way to go in, go in 60 games. Yeah. We went out of our way to get him. Overall, he hit 233 with five home runs and 27 RBIs. Let's go back again to walks. I mean, he walked 33 times in 347 at-bats. Right. Not horrible. But not, you know, it's again, not, he, not there was nothing he was doing. His on, no. his on base percentage for the year no. was 299. Yeah. I mean, 313 with the Phillies. Slugging percentage, 389. Right. What in the world? And you, and you ran out to resign, resign yeah, this, guy? this guy? I mean, I understand yeah. he was an all star some years ago and whatever else. He is at this point, yeah. 2009, and he hit 248. He only played in 100 games. He had 18 home runs. Really, you have to go back to 2008 when he hit 268 with 33 home runs. Walked 98 times, had 90 RBIs. That's the last productive season they've yeah. had from Grady Sizemore. And you think now? Seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll be the eighth season, eighth season after. Now. Yeah, exactly. You're telling me that yeah. this guy's going to now uh, turn around and come turn back and be, be ready yeah. to go? And, yeah, no. The, the, his body broke down, and he can't do what he used to be no, able to no. do. And, and that's the point. It's just I don't know why they keep filling these positions with these guys. You know, you can offer all the stuff you want in the world to minor league. Come on out. We'll give you, you know, a contract for minor league. And if you make your roster, blah, blah, blah. It's almost like, you know, oh, let me drive downtown Philly with a bus, and let's pick up a bunch of hobos, okay? yeah. <laughs> and let's go see what they, you know, let's go, let's go sweep the park and Whoever lasts the longest is the one we're going to keep. Right. You know? I mean, it's just it's it's embarrassing to yeah. the point that what are you doing with these guys? And then you, again, you say, you know, we're resigning them for what? What are you going to do? You know what? If you've already committed to the fact that you're rebuilding and not just tooling, you're right. rebuilding this team. Get rid of them. Bring me these young, whatever young guys you got. Bring them in and just go. You know what? Go play ball. Right. And that's all there is to it. And see actually what you got. You already know this year's tanked. You already know it. Yeah. The next two years are tanked. But do what you got to do with the guys you got in there. Make room for these hopefully new so, guys that they're bringing up through the system so that they can move along rather than having you know four guys that can play third base. Oh, they're really good. Well, what does that prove to you? You know what are you going to do? You can't trade them off. Because who's going to, there's no, there's no history on them. Nobody's going to take these guys. So now start throwing them in there, you know? And if they don't cut it, fine. Yeah. Cut your loss. It's still cheap enough. And right. move along. Right. You need to have some kind of ideal. And it gives you time then to go out there and do some better drafting. It gives you better time to maybe make some positive trades that right. are worth something instead of this, you know, oh, bag of beans, you know? And I don't care what anybody says. The worst trade that I think I've ever seen has got to be the Cliff flea trade that we got stuck with those four hobos and neither one none of them are worth anything and i hate to say his name <laughs> but it's that philly Beaumont who they uh. still have on the roster in the bullpen who is worthless yes but there this is the last season for him because he'll yeah. become a possible for free trade yeah because a free agent who wants free agent yeah. his team's gonna be lining up oh yeah they're yankees oh. and red sox yeah. wait philippe Beaumont, we can get him <laughs> we can get him now yeah we're we're going to get a lot for this guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, get a new girl that's going to sell, sell pistachios. Yeah. is about all yeah. we're going to get out of him. And I'm like, why are you wasting this position on this guy? For what? Is it 
is it because Ruben's like that's the one last guy in that trade that he know. has to go? Oh, I got to hold on to something, so maybe he'll turn out and I can go. Okay, hey, here's the example. Even though the other three hobos aren't in playing anymore, you know, one's in jail, the other one probably got shipped back to his native country, <laughs> and, and now well, now we got Philippe Beaumont. Okay, good. Well, what is that to me? That's nothing. The only, the only, you know, it's funny you said the worst trade in their history. From an impact standpoint, yes. you're absolutely correct, and this is what nobody seems to be holding Amaro accountable. Yeah. I mean, you. look, I'm going to go back in our in the Phillies history and tell you that the Ryan Sandberg oh. deal was a worse deal. But, the you know, had they kept Sandberg, um, arguably, arguably, or certainly the Phillies with Schmidt still hitting the way he was, right. Right. and Sandberg, they would have had a much better shot of being competitive. Don't, don't, whatever. But 2010 should have been the greatest year yeah. in the Phillies history. Mm-hmm. And had Cliff Lee been here for 2010, they wouldn't. Loss of the Giants, and there's no way that when they get to the World Series that the Rangers would have been able to beat them. Correct. And quite, and 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 you know, you look back at that when these guys, when the when the hitters were still going and everything like that. 2010 is a complete lost season where this team should have had a championship and just didn't. And look, can can you completely say that with confidence? Because you never know what's going to happen in the playoffs. No, but when I got when I got Halliday for two games, Lee for two games, and Cole Hamels mixed in there, I'm feeling pretty darn confident against anybody you're throwing at me. Exactly. And, and and they and and he blew that and no one holds him accountable. Now they do hold him accountable for the trade in general, but they don't take that extra step and say, "Look what we lost right. in 2010." So you're listening to our Phillies uh, 2015 Phillies preview show on the MTR Radio Network. Bill Zeltman, Steve from My Two Cents. This is the My Two Cents program brought to you by Better Homes Realty. Better Homes Realty with convenient offices in Cherry Hill and Egg Harbor Township. Don't just find a home, find a better home. Go to betterhomessj.com. That's betterhomessj.com. Or give us a call, 800-531-2885, extension 880, to find a local realtor today. So back to our programming here, and, you know, so the 2000, well, before we get, I'll get more on this in a little bit, but let's just say congratulations to Pat Burrell, Wall of Fame. Steve said before we went on the air, you know, that's going to be the highlight of the Phillies' year is that that Wall of Fame night and Pat Burrell going up there. Um, Absolute congratulations to Pat Burrell, uh, a guy, uh, you know, had over 200 home runs, with 230-some, 33 maybe home runs as a a Philly, Um, a guy that, that, that was there for, you know, that world championship, mm-hmm. and of course, had that big hit in the last game um, to, uh, you know, the double that ended right. up turning into the winning run. Um, of course, that was Eric Bruntlett that scored, but uh, he brought him in. Yep. But he was the guy that got it out there. You know, Pat Pearl, it's a shame because his, his, his feet just gave out right. on him through the right. years. And his back was bad. And he, he was hurting in that game, yeah. but he still gave it. Yeah, he would have he had a couple more productive seasons. But um, congratulations to Pat the Bat. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a great weekend out there. Yeah. You know, we already mentioned the good news that Darren Dalton is cancer-free. So this should be a year to celebrate yeah. at least around there, alumni. There's a, there's a third special thing happening with the Phillies. And they Uh-oh. just announced it today. Phillies uniforms ranked second by ESPN's UniWatch. That's good. I'm freaking excited I'm really excited about that, too, because they're going to look good when they lose. And you know what? If you're going to lose, at least lose in style, right? That's exactly right. So, uh, yeah, uh, unbelievable. And, you know, again, I go back and I think about those late 80s teams and the propaganda and the crap that they had. It's like we're putting a crappy product on the field that we're not paying any money for. And I'm not accusing this team of not paying money because they certainly are. But, you know, and it was, yeah, all the intangible things 
and, and it feel like, like Ryan Sandberg is like, it's like a time warp. I'm going back 30 years yeah. listening to the same garbage. And I, I know I said that earlier, but I just, it, it hits me in the face every time I'm, I, I'm sitting here with all these interviews and articles that he's done. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, he sounds like John, yeah. John Felsky, yeah. who was a complete yeah. bumbling, bumbling idiot. idiot. Yeah. You know? And that's, I think Dan, that's going to prove its point down the road is that he is not an effective manager. No, he's and horrible. It, and I think we, we've given him some, he's like, oh, this was really the first year because this year before that he brought in middle yeah. season. Yeah. when they dump Charlie. But I think, you know, this is going to be a proving point now. It might hang on, be, keep him hanging on because they're going to go, well, he didn't have anything to work with. And it's going to take us two more years to figure it out. And he's working with us. So I can see, because that's their trend. You know, why is Ruben there? You know, he should have been thrown out of here at the end of this past season, but he's not. So, right. you know, there's that pattern. I'm hoping that Middleman tries to change that pattern. Yep. But, you know, because it's not good business sense. No. But at this point, you know, they have a little bit too much emotion with the people that they bring into this organization yeah. and they hold on to them, yeah. you know, when they really should just go, it's time for you to move on. So, you know, I, I think that's going to be, a, that's going to hurt them in the long run because that might even set them back a little bit more because he's going to bring his theories and his processes in and they're not going to be effective. No, he, he you know, he's an old school, he, he retired. There's people, right. I mean, we brought this up in this program before. He retired before he really had to because he said he didn't like the attitude of the new players. Right. The way they, the, the, the right. way they were like, more, you know, he's the old school of rookies should be seen and not heard, you know. Yeah. Ron Reed crap and all that. You know what? That mode of management is so outdated. And, you know, I'm not going to get into all, you know, but but it's so outdated. And quite frankly, um, you still see certain industries and businesses that do it, sports being one of the biggest ones and the people that hated Charlie Manuel the worst were those guys that loved that and they love and look I love Larry Boa but Larry Boa's thing of management yeah it's great it's, in the World Series yeah yeah but not in a game in mid April yeah because um, he's walking around with the club yeah and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. He's just you, doing. you have to encourage guys and things like this you know you're gonna sit there and be that old school with these young players and trying to get them you know yeah you want them to have a work ethic Absolutely, but you also want to have fun out there. If the, if if they're afraid to make mistakes, they're going to make more right. mistakes because they can't go out and just be themselves. Right. Let their personality shine and play. It's been proven in business. Mm-hmm. It's proven in sports. The the, the reason that manager was the worst exes and those managers that I've that I've ever seen up close. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look, I look through you know however many managers I've seen in the Phillies history. They're probably starting with Danny Ozark and forward. Mm-hmm. X and O's. He's the worst. You know what else he is? The most successful. Right. Why? He won the because most when, got, when a guy was down, he, he would take him aside and give the guy the confidence that he needs. Right. And you know, again, Larry Bowen. People loved him. And I loved you know I loved him too. He's fun to watch and everything else. But when you're sitting there and you're zero for four, mm-hmm. and your manager wants to come berate you for being zero and zero for four, today's not the day to berate no. me. On my mistake. Right. Let me get it the next day. You know, after I go four for four, and then take me aside and say, you know what, I think, and, and don't say it like you did this wrong. You know what, you can do better. Yeah. You know, I, I have it's something that'll help you be better. Always keeping that positive attitude. Yeah. And I look at Samberg and I, and I look at that, and I'm like, man, dude. Yeah. I don't the, you know, the, the '70s are over, man. Yeah. The '80s are over. It's a different world today. And if you don't know how to work with today's kids and understand that their personalities are way different than what we grew up with, mm-hmm. you're screwed. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and look, 
again, might he get it? Might he be another Terry Francona that after he's fired from the Phillies, he goes someplace else maybe, and does well? And does well? Sure. Maybe it won't be the Cubs because I'll tell you what, no. Joe Madden's going to die in that job. That what a great signing that was for the Cubs. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, I get I give um, Theo Epstein and all them credit yep. for for doing yeah, the right and things and on a team that's been worse than any team in baseball right. history. They finally done the right thing. And that's and, you know that's a big point with because that's with Tampa Bay. I mean, it was it was a poor market for him, but yeah. he thrived on all those players. He got the best that he could out of all those guys that made it potential. Nine equals three. eight. It, was, it, was that what it was? Yeah. Nine equals eight? Yeah. And, it, and it's, you know, it's it's just one of those things that this that guy is like the game. He, he would come in and do funny things and, and change up the demeanor of the, right. of the, of the clubhouse right. by having all kinds of stuff for these guys to do. And they all they all bought into it, and that's like you say. That's that that, that nine equals eight was genius that year. This is a team that had never been anywhere in, right. the, in their history. It was right. a short history, but still had never been anywhere. And he went in and he created that program. Nine equals eight. In other right. words, nine players, players can equal one of the eight teams that make the playoffs. Right. And what a concept to walk in the first day of spring training. Yep. Um, I read. The, I read the uh, Phillies. First day of spring training, and the, you know their first article and things like that, and it was just a bunch of of, of gibberish crap, and jargon yeah. and, and 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 just empty messages. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this guy walked in and said nine equals eight. Why wouldn't you look? I understand that Ruben Amaro and 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 Pat Gillick and, and the 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 front office has said we're committed to changing the you know to to the mm. blowing the program up right. and starting over. Good, great. I'm the manager. Screw you. I'm there to win 162 right. games this year. I walk in and I, you know what my, my conversation is? Right. I put a P, the Phillies P on there. Prove prove the critics wrong. Right. And I have the P on there. Right. Prove, and our theory this year for this team is prove the critics wrong. Because I walk in here and I look around and I see Ryan Howard. And you know what, Ryan? I look at you and I see a guy that could win comeback player of the year. Yeah. If you don't lose it to this guy, Cliff Lee, you yeah. could win comeback player of the year. Cole Hamels, you're a 20-game winner waiting to happen. That's right. And go in there like with that attitude. Yeah. Prove the media wrong, right? And that be my slogan, and I build on it, and I build on. It. Now I got a team that's like, oh, well, you know, all of a sudden Dominic Brown starts to believe in himself. Yeah, right. All of a sudden a Cesar Hernandez, who's going to get a shot because Cliff uh, Chase is injured, right. says, "Man, maybe I can be a part of this." Yes. Freddie Galvis says, "I'm going to take extra yes. hitting practice," and you build it. Winning is contagious, mm-hmm. just like losing is contagious. And what jo- what Joe Madden did in Tampa Bay that year was took a bunch of guys, untalented young guys. Let's yeah. you know not take away the mm-hmm. fact that these were good players, but players that weren't quite there. I made them all believe in a common goal that nine equals eight. If the nine of us play together, nine people on the field play together every day the way we right. can, we can be one of those eight. And darn if they didn't make the World Series with it. Right, exactly. And, and, and what do I get from, from Ruben Amaro? I mean, from uh, Ryan Sandberg, I get gibberish. Yeah. Ridiculous right. statements of just nonsense. Well, it's the same thing. You know, we talked about this yesterday where, you know, Ruben Amaro, now he apologized to Ryan Howard. Yeah. Too, too late. Okay, yeah. you should have never opened your mouth yeah. to say, you know, oh, we really, he'd be better off somewhere else. You know, Brian Howard's not going to forget that. No. What kind of good conversation you had. He's never going to forget that. And not to say that he's the kind of guy that's going to tank a game. But you know what? It's in the back of his psyche. You know, these guys really don't want me. Ruben really doesn't want me. You know, it's like I'm a hobo. I'm a bum. I just went through a traumatic experience with my family where it's probably destroyed forever. And now we come to the game at that's my career and my profession that I love. And now the, you know, the team that brought me up from nothing yeah. tells me I'm not worth it anymore. No, like, they, 
They don't want to pay me the money that they. They don't want to pay, pay me. So, like, what is that? They don't all think about? I'm worth it. They don't think I'm worth anything. So, you know, whether he is or not, again, you have to give this guy the opportunity. And and part of that is all mentals with him. Obviously, it made an effect on his last two seasons. Yep. So, but what? Well, you got a general manager going in there and go, "You're a piece. Everybody is expendable. Done. Yeah. Close to the door and walk on. You don't do that. It's same as in business. If you got a bunch of salesmen out there and you're like, you better sell today or you're out of here. You better sell. Yeah, that's you can't it. work you under can't fear. Work under that. You nope. need to work under the positive attitude right. that I can make this happen and it's going to happen. Hey, you know, Zig Ziglar. Oh, yeah. Most, yeah. The guy, that guy, to this day, still has the top-selling um, yeah, motivational books. Motivational right, books right. is still the top because it's, it's basically the same thing, but he's the guy that's going to come out there and go, you're going to do this. You need to be able to believe in yourself and on and on and on. Bring Zig Ziglar. I don't know if he's still alive yeah, or not. No, I don't know Bring him in, and that's the kind of stuff that you need. Right. But for to sell instead, this. Instead of the, and here's the message. So nine equals eight, or mine. Prove the media wrong. Right. You know, something, get a chip on your shoulder. Right. Guess what the guess what Amaro's message was in the team meeting when he got everybody together. Put the offseason behind us and move forward. Yeah, let's go win, boys! We're going to put the offseason behind us and move forward. Let's go win! Are you kidding, kidding me? me? Yeah. And Cole, Hamill, Cole Hamill's trying to say the right thing after... I, and look, anybody yeah. boos Cole Hamill's, I'm going to boo them. I'm going to throw yeah. them over because Cole Hamill's had every right for every That's word right. that came out of his mouth. That's right. Cole Hamill says, giving us a common goal and a common feel. I just think that we can develop our own personality and chemistry because that's what we're supposed to that's do what now. Asking for. That's what, what in the world are you talking about? No, you're the leader. Lead these guys. Make them believe in themselves. Make them right. go. But you're not, you're not getting that from this. And I, I just it's 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 disheartening. It's just disheartening to hear, you know, this bumbling idiot. Yeah. You know, people used to say Charlie Manuel was stupid because he had a southern accent. And, right. You know, he, you know, he, say he spoke one and a half languages. Right. He spoke Japanese and a little bit of English. English yeah. And you know what? Yeah, he, was he eloquent? Absolutely not. Is he stupid? Knew, Absolutely not. Like, this guy to... is a bubbling idiot. Yeah. Uh, when he talks, I mean, he sounds okay, but when you listen to what he says, yeah. it's, it's just the rhetoric, is rhetoric, bad. rhetoric, yeah. rhetoric. Yeah. And, it's, and that's basically what it comes down to again it's all part of the same goal is like this is where we go and it's every facet of mentals and physicals and numbers and all and and it's all part of the same package and there's so many models that you can follow that are successful whether it be in sports or in business or in life you're raising your kids. You're going to tell your kid you're a bum. You're no good. You, do you do that? What do you think is going to happen? He's going to end up, you know, going down the bad road. Right. And then you're going to go, what's the matter with that damn kid? He never did, you know, never listened to me anyway. Well, why should he listen to you? Because you're nothing but a negative effect. Yes. You have to grow, nurture, and support. And you're going to get a positive response from it. It's the same thing. There's thousands. Of, it's the way you you do it. You don't go in like these idiots and then go in and open your mouth. And if anything, sports is, because sports is probably one of the, if not the most profitable business in the 
world. Right. Everybody's watching every little thing yeah. you say and do, yeah. and they're going to criticize you for it. Yeah. And so when it comes to game number 82, mm-hmm. and you're in the middle of July sweating your ass off, and your team isn't doing so great, now you say one little thing, you, you wink your eye the wrong way, and the media's all over you. What the hell's the matter with this team? Right. What's the matter with that guy? And that's when the team, as a united front, say, we're not talking about it anymore. This is ours. We're not going to do anything. Stop, get off our backs, and just shut up and keep moving forward. That's that's all. That's what wins the stuff. But the social media kills a lot of teams and a lot of players. So until you have a united front from the very beginning, you're going to fall apart. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, I don't know if I'm right about this theory or not, um, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. There's also something about a guy that was played on a team that, you know, the Leon Dorm game with the Cubs. That was their, right. You know, they, this, they did have two division winners while he was there. But a guy that never really had that success, um, he, he was on a team that lost way more than ever won, mm-hmm. and they never won the big games. They never right. got out of the first round. They basically went to the first round of the playoffs twice and lost. I look at a guy, I look at guys that, you know, even Charlie Manuel, who was with the Dodgers, had, was winning teams. Mm-hmm. You look at certain guys that have been there, done that as players. Billy Martin, mm-hmm. of course, he was a baseball strategist like none other. But these guys that, that played on winning teams and then are winning teams, if there is something about, you know, he, is he content to lose, Ryan Sandberg? Probably not. But is he more content to lose than, than a guy that always was with a winner? Right. You know, I'm, I mean, I look at Jimmy Rollins, and again, all the criticism we got, um, you know, for, oh, is he not hustling this, that, whatever. He wants to win. Oh, and you know definitely. what? He's yeah. going to go out to the Dodgers, gonna and you're going to see a bounce-back season yes, from Jimmy Brown like you've never seen. You're going to think he's 32 again, 31-32 again, I think. Um, and you're going to see him in October being a factor, mm-hmm. I promise you, yeah. unless he's hurt. Even if it's one game. Yeah, he's he's yeah. going to be a factor, and he's going to be a factor in that clubhouse. And Jimmy Rollins, in my opinion, would make one heck of a manager when it's all said and oh, done yeah. because he knows what it takes to win. Yeah. He knows how, yeah. to, how to push, you know, where the team to beat. Um, you know, when he, when he put on a Phillies uniform for the first time when he was drafted as a very young kid, he said, we're going to bring, bring the pride back in this big, you know? And and was part of the team he's in. He gets it. I don't know that Sandberg gets that because yeah. he was with a team. What what pride do you have? I played for the worst team, team ever in history. Let me talk about the Mets or the Phillies. Right. Let me tell you something. We can have our fun with Mets fans and they'll have our fun with us and the ten thousand losses and whatever. Yeah, the Phillies are a lot older franchise. You look at the Cubs. That is dismal. Yeah. Like you've never seen dismal yeah. before in any sport, in any team, right. anywhere. So yeah, uh, and I mean, for like you say, for him, the only reason why he stood out because they were a shitty team. Right. And there were no really other really good players at that, at that time. So if you have one really good player that just naturally has the talent and plays right. well, that doesn't mean that it proceeds into the rest right. of the team. He never inspired the rest of the team. He never was in there. And, and is there a reason why he was never chosen by the Cubs? Yeah. To be absolutely. any kind of management? You yeah. Know, well, he wasn't. Yeah, he was in their minor league system, but yeah, but, not, but no, but he was never I, I considered. Think they, I think they understood too. And again, I think Theo Epstein, yes, as good as they can, well, different. You're not going to go put your legend in the dugout, and of course, then you have to fire your legend. That's right. one other thing too, because you know that's inevitable. But you're not going to make him. It's not. 
sideshow. Right. Oh, here's, you know. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah get a couple games, and then yeah. all of a sudden he's a bum, and they want him out. And they knew his personality. Right. That's the other thing. Yes. You know, the Phillies talk about his personality. Yeah, you know when he was an 18-year-old kid when you signed him. Right. You know, up until he was major league ready, then you right. traded him off. You know what he, you know. Well, again, you go back to the point, you know, well, this is what they did because he was on the team. You know, he was the minor league coach for, what, three, four seasons for yeah. the Phillies in Reading. And, okay, I think that was, again, just a pre- preview of setting him up so that when he would be the next manager. And we talked about that when, you know, whether before Charlie got fired, he right. was always being interviewed and considered for the replacement when Charlie Which is so, retires. But, and that's yeah, wrong. It is. It's just wrong. like it was wrong when Charlie got hired. I mean, that was it. Why did you throw in Why did you have interviews? Yes. And, you know, in, in those days, I wanted, I wanted Jim Fergosi back. Right. And Fergosi, of course, you know, uh, went in and, and, and um, interviewed for that. Dalton went in. They said he gave a strong, strong interview. But right. they knew before they walked they, in the door they who they were hiring. Sure. They had him. He was a manager in waiting is all he was. Yeah. yeah. And I guess there's a part of you can say, well, okay, that's actually not a bad thing because he can learn the system. He knew the players in the farm. So right. I get all that. But on the same hand, what if they went in and actually went in with an open mind and Jim Fergosi at that point was a better fit or another right. person was right. a better fit? Why, you know, why would you do that? Their, their interviews, it's almost like it's almost like a game. So, I, I you know, I, I don't know. It's it's hard to figure. But uh, we're here. We're here for the next 10 days and we are going to be covering Phillies. Keep it locked to MTR Radio and to FightinPhils.com. For Steve from My Two Cents, I'm Bill Zeltman. We'll be back at you real soon. We're playing 24-7 right now on MTR Radio, so get your Phillies fixed 24-7. Oh, yes, the days are over, my sure.